0: The Deal with Yield is a podcast series covering the issues that matter most in crop production. Tune in to episodes on iTunes and TheDealWithYield.com. Welcome to The Deal with Yield with our host, Joel Wipperforth, Director of E-Business for Winfield United, and John Zook agronomist for Winfield United. John, revisiting the crop rotation discussion, what factors can influence a crop rotation decision when farmers are faced with the weed resistance issue?
1: So I think a lot of opportunity to control weeds is still left in the corn acre. For me, same as you, Joel, driving around in Minnesota, a lot of times I can't remember the last time I've seen a clean soybean field where if you look close that we don't have those weeds coming through. We know particularly I mean, ragweed, a little bit more of a responsive weed. Those seeds are viable in the soil for three years. After that, 99% of them are depleted. So, if you can control your ragweeds for three years, you might be able to control them in soybeans afterwards. But we know they're resistant to a lot of the herbicides we have out there. Water hemp, now that's another story because those seeds are quite a bit more per plant and they survive in the soil for significantly longer.
2: So water hemp in particular, when you're looking at the control methods for that, in corn, you might be looking at, you know, thirty dollars per acre or somewhere in there to take care of your weeds, whereas soybeans, if you have a water hemp resistance problem and you're dealing with it in a conventional manner, you could be upwards seventy-five to hundred dollars spraying multiple times to get after the same problem that corn can be solved pretty consistently and with a high degree of success.
1: Yeah, so I would say easily $80 an acre and probably still be frustrated with not being able to kill the weeds, most commonly because you might be able to spend as much money as you want on killing weeds, but with soybeans, we just don't have the modes of action to go to that we have in corn.
2: Yeah. Now, John, I was just out in uh, Wichita, Kansas. I had, I had flown in for the day to visit with a retailer out there, and sure enough, there was a crop of water hemp out in the field, growing real tall. And there was about six pickups alongside the road, and there was a crew getting out in the early morning hours with hose, and the water hemp seemed to have flowers on it already. So. Were they being successful out there or were they just making the field look pretty?
1: So, there is a little bit of research on the seed from water hemp. And if you can see flowers, you know, that's maybe 10, 12 days away from fertilization. And at that point, when you see flowers, potentially 50% of those weed seeds are already fertile. And if you're not removing those plants from the field, if you're just hoeing them down and chopping them up, well, those plants are hoe resistant. They're resistant to hoes because they're going to come back next year. They already have viable seeds.
2: If you lay them down in the row and they come up in that form next year, is water hemp technically a row crop then?
1: Well, if you're farming it on RTK, they're going to be in the middle of the row, so you farm around them, right?
2: <laughs> so you run a couple of answer plots, and certainly there's some rotational decisions that are made in there. How do the answer plots handle their rotations?
1: In the answer plots, we have rotations all the way throughout each plot. So each plot is one-third corn on beans, one-third beans on corn, and one-third corn on corn. So I always like to say the middle of the plot is always corn on corn. So the longevity of how long that site is there, say if we have an answer plot site, some of them are 10-plus years or more. This year is our 20th year anniversary, so maybe some sites have been around for 20 years, that's 20 years of corn on corn in that area. So we always like to rotate the bookends and keep the middle as a corn on corn.
2: Yeah, I think from a future state, one of the technologies I'm really interested to see How our rotation system and the answer plot of these, you know, some of these sites have been there for 10 years, corn on corn. I'm really interested to see, you know, some of the new technologies talking about the soil microbiome and soil health. I'm interested to see how the answer plot rotations over these extended periods of time will change that microbiome or change the soil health.
1: Winfield United, we have a lab called SOLEM that is looking at soil, especially from this microbial health and this soil health perspective, a little bit differently and maybe what the contents of DNA might be in that soil.
2: Yeah, so that microbiome being unraveled from what's in the soil, I think holds a lot of possibilities to help guide us further in what crop rotation decisions that we might make. Because certainly the more diversity that you have in your rotation, potentially, you know, this is the theory, the more diversity there would be in your microbiome of things that make fertilizers more available, things that make... Soil nitrogen mineralize easier, things like that.
1: So I know we're in an age of we're all about diversity, but sometimes my mind goes to, hey, if you have two agronomists on your farm and one of them is named Joel and the other one is named John, which one helps you grow more corn? Well, we all know that the more Joels you have, the higher yield you might get. So could we identify that in the soils that are most productive and maybe give a hint or an inkling of how to manage More joels across the acre.
2: Right. Certainly the microbiome of joels in this example in the high yield areas could be an early indicator of what species and what parts of that microbiome are really valuable to high yield. And then going to the potentially low yielding areas and unraveling that same segment of what may be crop limiting. I I think there's a whole world underneath the soil there to explore. That's pretty exciting frontier and really will revolve around some of the decisions you make in your crop rotation.
1: So I think going back to how you would decipher which crop rotation that you should actually go into and how you should look at this. There's a lot of information out there. What I would always caution to go into is say which one fits best for your farming practices and putting yourself in a position that you can be flexible for that. So number one thing is probably try to put fertilizer, P and K on every acre. We're not talking double the P and K. We're talking, hey, for that crop, so the same cost to spread it, but only put it out for that crop It'll allow you to be flexible and then start to make the decision of choose the hybrid or choose the variety and then you can manage the rest of that in season with whether it's a nitrogen or a fungicide or variable rate planting all those things will come into factor depending upon which crop you choose to rotate to and how to manage it within that particular rotation
2: yeah, and the last part that probably gets a little bit out of my core geography is probably moisture, and when you're dealing with the Dakotas, some of the Plain States, Kansas, certainly uh, water, water, and water are your three limiting factors there. And what's the fourth one? It's water. It's it's also water, and so certainly those factors of you know how much rainfall you've gotten in the fall here, whether or not your fall wheat. If you're going to seed fall wheat and, and go after spring wheat crop, that'll determine a lot of your rotation successes there. Or in some cases, you know, there's some fallow ground out there because they're trying to build up a moisture reserve, depending upon if you get way to the, the fringes of the moisture belt.
0: And Joel and John, can we talk a little bit more, too, about circumstances when farmers will rotate corn to wheat or alfalfa rather than soybeans?
2: Yeah, I, I, again, I, I think considering if you want to plant alfalfa, there's not as many farmers, John, these days that want to spend their summers baling hay. But back in Southern Wisconsin on my family's farm, they will consider an alfalfa rotation almost the opposite way of how many alfalfa acres are in good condition. And they do that by walking and reading the stand, so to speak, where they go out and count stems per square foot and plants per square foot. They go out and then they dig up a couple of plants and see if the roots inside are black and brown. And if they are, certainly those are going to have a hard time with their winter hardiness. So the rotation is actually figured on the alfalfa crop first, and then we back figure into that. So John, you've had plenty of experience walking fall alfalfa stands, thinking about rotating in or out of them.
1: Again, like you said, was alfalfa acres, unless you have kind of something that's black and white and then weighs about 1200 pounds you're probably not going to consider rotating in alfalfa because it's going to be a whole nother set of machinery to be covered but as far as looking at the stand and longevity of the stand yeah we have to go out there typically we like to do it after our last cutting in the middle of august so when we say fall that's probably the right time to do it and looking at the given that A crown score to that crown is going to be the best way to do that it's still a little early for me to say how things are looking right now actually our third crop gave us in some cases gave us a little bit more tonnage than our second crop did because of the way our rainfalls are based so i'm kind of curious to see what this next crop might bring it might be something in store for us this fall of maybe having a little bit more late season stress we may have to rotate out a little more acres
2: Yeah, and certainly one of the advantages of rotating your alfalfa stand sooner is that you're going to have more nitrogen credit from a younger stand. If your alfalfa stand was passed down through the family generations, there's probably not a lot of alfalfa left out there, not a lot of nitrogen credit for going into next year. But, you know, one of the big upgrades here for those that are thinking about rotating out of their alfalfa stands is some of the new genetics, some of the new technology coming on uh, digestibility of alfalfa. You may also be thinking about your ability to get some new genetics like harvest. Of extra onto the field for next year and rotating out of some older varieties
1: so the biggest thing that i see with this crown health especially in the fall is how many times that we got to cross the acre and drive over it and i mean this year i've seen a phantom in and alfalfa all the way through any kind of spot that you can identify to compaction 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 potassium deficiencies and it all relates to driving across that acre. So with Harv Extra, we can get vault uh, the same, if not a little bit more tonnage with better feed quality and probably one less trip. So for me, that's a pretty big deal.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, I like harvesting alfalfa as much as the next guy all summer long, three and four times. Are you seeing people adjust their cutting schedules to cut back a full rotation or are they letting it grow a little longer and getting more tonnage out of it?
1: So I think right now, It's still a learning curve. Everybody's kind of floundering around. And I use the term floundering because it feels like one cutting. They go, oh, I'm going to cut it early. And the next cutting, they leave it. And I think that's the biggest advantage is you can do that. You can flex your cuts uh, based on the weather. And with alfalfa, at least in southern Minnesota, it's hard to get put up nice so identifying the weather that you have in the five seven day forecast and flexing that cutting without either sacrificing tonnage or sacrificing quality is probably most important with the technology than being on one system or the other
2: yeah absolutely i I think uh Knowing how to make those decisions all comes back to reading that fall stand and walking those fields with your agronomist. The last question you asked, Linda, on wheat and rotating in and out of wheat, your wheat rotation, a lot of times the decision is made to put in a spring wheat crop or do fall seeding here and then see how it does over the winter. And they're betting on that crop to get a little bit of rainfall. And one of the ways that they place those bets is to hold back some of the nitrogen and only apply enough nitrogen for the crop that you think you have. So one of the things that we've been working really hard from a rotational standpoint in that sense on field forecasting tool is to build out a crop wheat model that helps us apply the right amount of nitrogen for the right potential of that crop. And so as we look to calibrate that wheat model here this fall and use uh, NDVI satellite imagery in the, in the calibration of that model, certainly, you know, it's in knowing when to put your foot on the brake and knowing when to put your foot on the gas will help you make that rotation out of wheat into a different crop the coming spring.
1: And so using the tool to make very similar decisions in corn for the last four or five years as it's been developed this year has come a long way as far as making that recommendation. So really excited to use that similar process in in making those wheat recommendations.
2: So I think if you wanted to go to cropland.com and learn a little bit more about some of the crops that you could rotate into, certainly there's lots of information on there on the herbicide traits that are available to help you with some of your weeds. And then there's also some other information on there on managing those different crops.
1: And so to be a little bit more specific, too, is I always want to go local with this because we talked about some of the diseases and the implications, especially with this bean on bean rotation. Sometimes that's more local than anything on what pressure you might have and even variety selection. So consultingcropland.com would be first case, but then bringing it local and saying, okay, here's this variety and, and how do I position and place it and manage it is going to be probably the best way to do that. You've
0: been listening to The Deal with Yield with Joel Wipperforth, director of e-business for Winfield United, and John Zuck, agronomist for Winfield United. For additional episodes of The Deal with Yield, visit iTunes and thedealwithyield.com.